Hello there. This is Steve Durr. Welcome once again to a Matthew audio devotional. Today we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27 and going to verse 37. And again, we're joining Jesus in the middle of his teaching on the hillside, often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's embedded in that message. And it's a message that invites his followers to a new way of living in a new kingdom. So we're going to read Jesus' teaching today, and he gets into some kind of touchy, real-life subject matter. So let's begin with prayer. God, today we pray that you'd speak to us through this teaching from Jesus and give us ears to hear and hearts um, open to whatever you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 5, starting at verse 27, going to verse 37. This is Jesus. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, Cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard it that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you've made to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And do not even say, by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So, yeah. All right, here we go. So we're coming today across some of Jesus' teaching that gets into some personal and uncomfortable subjects. So I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Anytime the Bible and Jesus' words are used to speak to real-life situations uh, that people have either been through or are currently experiencing, uh, I think it's good first and foremost to remember that Jesus is full of love for us, and he is the true living way to life. Jesus is the true living way to life. So that's important to remember. And too often, verses have been pulled out of the Bible and used in a way to heap condemnation on people that leaves a long shadow of shame rather than a loving call to truth that invites us to freedom and life with him. So Jesus brings up three real-life experiences and questions that swirl around him, that are swirling around him, and there's scripture passages found in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, that speak of each of these situations and circumstances. It's about lust and adultery. It's about divorce. It's about keeping your oaths and making oaths. And in each of these subjects and examples, Jesus goes beyond 
merely right beliefs and even right surface actions of the issues mentioned. Jesus seems to want to examine and bring change to the heart and the motives. True change begins from him and starts within. That's kind of a little big idea I got here today, okay? True change begins from him and starts within. As I read through these examples from Jesus, I am really challenged by Jesus' commitment to see us live differently, to be transformed from the inside out as new kind of humans shaped after him and changed by him, shining like cities on a hill pointing people to God. And Jesus' teaching went beyond other teachers at his time. Instead of the sin of adultery being merely about a physical action to avoid, Jesus goes to the heart of it, to the heart of lust. The wording used there is looking at someone with the purpose of desiring them. In other words, desiring to desire the person, cultivating, feeding, and indulging the desire because we enjoy the fantasy and the purpose for it all is, you know, desiring to ultimately act on it. It's not just merely a temptation to want to lust. It's cultivating it and sitting in it and soaking in it and If given the chance with no consequences and the opportunity arose, we'd take it. What's also interesting is that in a time when most writers warned that women were dangerous because they invited lust, Jesus placed the responsibility for lust on the person, in this case the the men, doing the lusting. And Jesus uses exaggerated speech to make a point. I mean, better to cut out your eye or better to cut off your hand than to lust or to sin sexually. And he's making the point of the seriousness of sin, for sure. Yeah, sexual sin, serious. But it's also revealing the truth that true change can't be taken care of by just outside behavior modification alone. Because if you just take away an eye or you take away a hand, (laughs) the sin is still going to be there, right? Take away an eye, take away a hand. The sin really begins not with the eye or the hand or anything else. It begins in the heart. The question is, what would you do if you could? The other thing that Jesus brings up here is divorce. And in Jesus' day, a, a man could simply get rid of a wife who no longer pleased him. I mean, there were some different schools of thought at the time uh, on what constituted the levels of justification for no longer pleasing a man. I mean, some were as flimsy as burning his toast, and others had a more rigorous thought, which was like unfaithfulness, marital unfaithfulness. But this also was a world in which men ran things, and women had to primarily depend on men for support and protection. So divorce put a woman in a terrible and vulnerable place. Uh, So the best thing for the woman would be if the husband gave the wife a written paper of divorce, stating the divorce was not from her being unfaithful. This would give her hope of a possible remarriage and finding support and protection. If all else failed and she couldn't be with an extended family member, 
she would have to make her living possibly as a prostitute. And in this teaching, Jesus strengthens the picture of marriage. He makes it clear that God's intent and heart is not divorce. And this will offer protection for families and especially women at that time. But ultimately, it appears that Jesus is seeking to strengthen the oneness and sacredness of marriage in a time when a slip of paper, because someone had a change of heart, uh, just wanted it that way. And so Jesus uh, is challenging the husbands in that culture that just playing by the rules and giving the woman a slip of paper doesn't mean you haven't done harm and done right by your wife. And for centuries, followers of Jesus have wrestled with how to apply these teachings of Jesus in practice, trying to balance out grace and truth, understanding unique and painful circumstances in marriages, and holding on to the oneness and fighting for the oneness and healing and reconciliation in marriage. And that's a difficult challenge. And I think we what we do gain here is this sense of value and sacredness and um, oneness that Jesus is seeking to pursue in marriage and how he elevates it. But again, so often some of these verses have been used to do a lot of damage to people. And it's important that we again remember the heart of Jesus for people. Finally, Jesus talks about oaths and vows, which are typically swearing by something greater or more valuable, you know, by Jerusalem, by, you know, he says a whole bunch of different things, by heaven, right? And it's typically by God, you know. It was one way to say, I really, really am telling the truth and I mean it, right? It's all about integrity. A kingdom person is someone who simply tells the truth, who doesn't have to make a manipulative show of how you sincere or truthful you are through swearing to God or by anything else. God already hears our yes and our no and can hold us accountable. <laughs> truthful people don't need vows and oaths that invite threats and penalties if we don't follow through. Truthful people simply just keep their word. They have integrity. They tell the truth to themselves and others. And the one thread that comes to mind is I've just read through these different little teachings from Jesus in the midst of his Sermon on the Mount with these everyday issues is this. Do I truly see the image of God in other people? Do I love and show value to them? How might that impact how I view them and whether or not I use them? How might that influence my and other people's marriages? How might it be revealed in what I say or don't say in the integrity of my words? Let's pray today. God, thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for, Jesus, the way that you are so full of grace and truth. And you show us the better way. As difficult as it is so many times. But God, we're thankful that we cannot achieve it on our own. We need your grace. And so we fall into your hands and say, uh, 
We need you. Would you change us from the inside out? Would you heal us where we need healing? Would you set us free where we need to be freed? Would you forgive us where we need forgiveness and cleansing? Would you help us to see people and love people where we need that? And today, Lord, we pray that you would speak truth to us, that you would invite us to life with you, and we would sense your love and your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.